Hello, my name is Casey Rogers, and I'm your host for the Emerging Writer Series podcast. This podcast is an exploration of what it takes for a writer to become a published author and how to sustain a professional writing career. Like many of you, writing is my passion, and I'm confident that I know how to write a compelling story. But what holds me back is the same thing that holds many other writers back. How do we navigate a system that is about finding a bestseller rather than finding the best work? There are obstacles to our success, and many of them have nothing to do with the quality of our writing. In the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be speaking with authors about their books and how and why they chose to write their stories within the frameworks of a specific genre. One reason why writers work within a genre is that it helps people to find your books. Another reason is that genre also gives the author kind of a blueprint of sorts because each genre has a specific set of rules to follow. We'll explore what the needs and expectations are within these genres and why one may be well suited for your project. In this episode, I'm speaking with author Laura DeNovis Berry, who is the author of Death at Dustbar College, the first book in a young adult series being published June 1st. There's much to be considered about the YA genre that has exploded since series like Harry Potter and The Hunger Games were written. All of this is a wonderful reminder of why this genre is important to both readers and writers like Laura, who has created a world where invisible monkeys play and dragons fly. Let's take a listen to Laura, who tells us about the magical realm that she's created. So welcome, Laura. How are you? Hi, Casey. Thank you for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. So tell me a little bit about your journey back to writing. Did you start out as a poet and then develop an interest in YA? Or was the YA something that you always wanted to do? I was a big reader as a kid. I loved reading and I would every once in a while play around with writing, but I never knew how to finish the story. I would get ideas and I would never know how to stop it. However, I went to college for writing and all I was doing then was reading and writing for school. And I had stopped writing creatively because after hours of writing essays, I was pretty sick of it. So Thankfully, I took a poetry class with a great poet. Her name was Professor Kim Bridgeford. Highly recommend if anyone wants to find some really interesting poems, look up Kim Bridgeford. She has an amazing book of sonnets about Alfred Hitchcock movies. They're awesome. But she was sort of the one who lit my fire to get back into writing creatively. I started with poetry. I wrote two book of poems. One's published through Indies, Egg Shape Ball, which was, I guess, my foray back into finding something that I could basically take from my life. And I was starting to infuse all of my passions. And this was the beginning of me infusing my passions into my work. I play rugby and I wrote a book about rugby players. And it's been really fun. I got to get a little dedication to the women's team that I'm playing with now, Phoenixville Whitehorse. So if anyone is in Phoenixville, PA and wants to see some good rugby, they can come watch us. Sounds (laughs) fascinating. Oh my God. Yeah. Long story short, I realized how much I like writing. My husband was in the Marines. He would be gone for 
a lot of time and I started writing. I actually did start writing a YA novel that I'm currently working on now, but I have a million nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. One of them needed a birthday present. So I wrote him a children's book. <gasps> so that's how this started. Yes, Death at Dustbar College is dedicated to my nephew, Cristiano. And I have a million of other ones who are like, where is my book? They're coming. (laughs) So that is now, we now have a series. It's called a story of Auntie Fa's series. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, I'm very excited. We have some great illustrations that are very vibrant. They're very beautiful. And Death at Dustbar College is actually coming out this June. So this is my first real book that Mm -hmm. I am recording. Mm -hmm. And I, when I say recording, I am actually recording an audio book for it. So we're doing Mm -hmm. a lot of first children's book first audiobook recording, first time like having to seriously market it. It's been a very exciting time. (laughs) I can so relate to your creative process basically stopping when you were in college because I had the same thing. I went back late in life to get my bachelor's degree to finish it up. And I was so tired of all the academic work that I didn't write anything creatively for a really long time, unless the course required creative writing. Thank you. I, and I absolutely agree. I'm just trying to take everything I love to do and put it all together. Mm -hmm. And I love acting. I never really got a chance to do it like professionally, but Mm -hmm. I can do it through audiobooks and it's so much fun. And having someone tell you stories is the oldest way of people learning about new places and hearing about new things. It's actually this amazing ancient art. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool how that has come back. So in Mm -hmm. a way, even though audiobooks are are quote unquote new, the technology Mm -hmm. for them is new. The art of itself, you know, in and of itself is very old and like humans are weirdly going back to their roots. So it's just really neat to me. <laughs> My world of Antifaz is a mix of Terry Pratchett meets Xena in the sense of it is ridiculous. It is fun. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of spooky danger, but at the same time, there's melodrama and over the topness. I, I just, I love both of those aspects and my sister's kids seem to think they're amusing as well. Thank goodness. So hopefully the book will be a success, but just the fact like I get to make it whatever I want. It's really fun. So like my, my husband was asking me, he goes, Oh, is this a high fantasy book? And I was like, not really, but it is certainly my fantasy. It's just a weird, wonderful little place. And it's super silly. And I also have a love of horror that Actually, my, I always call him like my big brother-in-law because I, I have five older sisters. And so I basically had six moms. Yeah. <laughs> so my oldest sister, she's a writer. Her husband's a writer, Adam and Leonard. He got me into horror when I was little. She showed me Edward Scissorhands for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you can see that stuff, like that kind of campy spookiness coming out in these books yeah. too. And yeah. I think Adam was one of the first people that I knew in my life who was like a published writer his like he he has a YA fantasy novel the Rift Riders that came out a few years ago mm-hmm. and he was one of the first people that I knew in my life who's like a published author who wrote mm-hmm. this like amazing cool YA fantasy it's funny because I didn't realize how much that had influenced me until I started mm-hmm. doing this and I was like yeah. oh it's been a very weird certainly a strange process of you have homecomings or back in PA where my family is and I'm taking all of the things that I have done in my life and all the influences and I'm putting them into these weird and wacky and I think wonderful children's stories which are like and the fact that 
you did it for somebody that you love and care for, but it morphed into something you can expand on is just fabulous. Thank you. I'm hoping that as long as the kids are entertained, that is the main job of the books, but it's been a really great, and especially with the pandemic, writing Mm -hmm. had also become like a refuge, which funnily enough, I had started working on a a true YA novel that's still in the works that all plotted. It's all done. I just need to write it. That good feeling of, I know exactly what's going to happen. I just have to write it. And then I, and that, that one's much spookier. I I definitely love tinging little like monsters and things into these stories, but like I said, out of necessity, I wrote this children's book as a birthday present. And I guess, what is that? The invention of it out of a a need has created Mm -hmm. something that it's really fun. I really love it. And it's been a really fun way for me to just get through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, okay, we're going to make something good out of a bad situation. Because otherwise, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. I think a lot of creative people have been able to go down that kind of rabbit hole and find relief because I don't have to focus on this particular true part of the world for at least this block of time that I'm writing. So I totally get that. Oh yeah, for sure. And another thing that I think is so interesting is I I definitely started doing better writing when I just got rid of all my social media because I'm the kind of person if I, you said rabbit hole, I'll go down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I need to stop going down this particular rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is interesting how you just, you can use other worlds to try Mm -hmm. and just give yourself, like you said, a little bit of respite. You're not trying to do a whole ostrich head in the sand situation, Mm -hmm. but like sometimes you need a break. (laughs) That's right. And I think that's something that both writing and reading has given a lot of people. When you're writing YA, you're introducing kids to all these possibilities. So even if it's about another world or like the Harry Potter series, or my favorite was Anna Green Gables. Oh, oh my goodness. Loved Anna Green Gables. Oh, that book changed my life. That book was my salvation when I was a nine-year-old kid. I had an accident on a bicycle a couple of days within summer vacation starting, and I had to keep my leg up all summer long. And back then we didn't have a TV in every room and I was stuck in my bedroom with my leg elevated. And my mom just went to the library and brought me all these books. And I started reading Anna Green Gables and it just opened me up for a totally different world. So I think when kids are reading YA and finding out that they don't necessarily have to remain in the situation that they were brought up in. It's Mm. so powerful, especially I think for young girls to see someone like Anne as a model. She was so forthright and honest and just like this quirky young girl that to me, again, it was so powerful to read about somebody that didn't fit in the way that she wanted to. I forget the, even the name of the, the two older characters that adopted her, but they wanted a boy. They yeah. wanted a boy. And when she showed up, it was a big <laughs> surprise. And I think that was so empowering to read that she, she worked so hard to overcome the obstacles that she faced. And that's yeah. the power of YA. 
So, and that's also a really great example of like why Ada shows you overcoming obstacles, not in a fantasy world, because not every hero has to be like the chosen one. Harry Potter and is just this yes. ordinary girl who does extraordinary things in her like in her own life, and that's a great example. Like that's an excellent book. Like, yes. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. Even today, I so recommend it. Tell us a little bit more about the specific story without giving it away. Tell us about the characters and what are some of the conflicts within your story? All right. I can certainly do that. I love this. This is always the hardest part. I was like, I wrote the book and it's still, oh God, how do I summarize this? Yes. Um, (laughs) Essentially, I describe it as a minor coming of age tale. Cristiano is celebrating his 11th birthday and as a treat he gets to go visit his aunt who is a professor at the magician's college Dustbar college and he just so happens to be there when the grand magician at the time is going to be turning 120 years old so his aunt thinks it would be a wonderful idea to treat him to a tour of the castle because she knows this young boy wants to be a magician one day And while he's there, he gets to learn about some of the wild magics that happen there, all of the the beasts that are living and roaming through the castle and just won't leave because they don't have to. So one of my favorite characters that I created for this is the Grand Magician's Familiar. He is a demon trapped in a frog's body. He's very irritated about the whole thing. And he's just like a sassy little frog. So one of my favorite parts about creating this book is working with Lee Thompson of the Barnhouse Collective. He's my illustrator. Mm -hmm. So he's been really able to bring my characters to life. And one of them is a carnivorous plant who's just one of the best background characters. Doesn't really say much. He's just there drooling over people. I've always been obsessed whenever I would watch fantasy movies of like magical kitchens. The food's just like popping out of the ovens. The, the pots are cleaning themselves. So of course there is a magical kitchen. I knew that there was going to be like gnomes and trolls and, and all kinds of typical fantasy creatures in my books, but I wanted to turn them on their heads a little bit as an extra challenge to myself. So Shalora is very lovely. She's an excellent baker. She runs the kitchens. She's very fun. And then there's also all of the different professors that you'll meet at the college. There's mm-hmm. um, Christiana's Aunt Lauya, who is the head of the partying department, not oh, the head wow. of the party department. <laughs> then you also have another professor who runs the talking about true crime department. It's a very interesting college. I don't know how good a degree from there would be for practical purposes, but hey, you'll have a great time. <laughs> I think that sounds wonderful. I love the character descriptions. (laughs) I can see different character arcs and things expanding beyond the first book. When is it available for like pre-order and everything? So it's going to be released on June 1st. Hopefully it'll be available for um, pre-order come May. My All of the illustrations will be done this Monday, which is very exciting. Oh. As long as everything continues to go, the book should be available for pre-order, I want to say in mid-May. Just okay. give myself a little bit of breathing room there to make oh. sure everything is put together. I'm trying to do as much of it myself as I can, mm-hmm. not only just to working as an author and trying to save as much money so I can afford like fun things like bookmarks and stickers, yes. but also I want to learn how to do it. I think it's been really fun learning how to actually edit for an ebook, how to format yes. your book, learn how to put the images in yourself. For me, I was like, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it, but editing cannot do editing by myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very bad at that. (laughs) Yeah. 
think personally, a good editor is like a personal trainer, but, and they also will push you to do more than you think you're capable of, or they'll just fix your technique. If yes. you're terrible at grammar, they'll catch it for you. I think that's a more positive way to look at the relationship between mm-hmm. editors and writers, but that's also, I think would help people who are resistant to it. If they were thinking of it, instead of a nasty red pen that's coming down, yes. you have someone who's pushing you to improve. Yes. And you might have to work with a couple different ones before you mm-hmm. find the right one for you. Yep. In the long run, it would be mm-hmm. very beneficial. I really enjoyed our time together. And it's so delightful to hear about your project. Tell our listeners once more what the name of your project is and when it's for pre-order and when it's going to be published so we don't miss this. Thank you so much, Casey. The pleasure was all mine. My book is called Death at Dustbar College. It will be available to retailers June 1st. Hopefully you will be able to pre-order it through Indies United this coming May. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. In speaking with Laura, her joy for writing is clear, and how she approaches her writing in this genre shines through. It's wonderful to have writers like her out there creating stories that engage the imagination of young readers, but it's also important to remember that young adult stories are written to both entertain and inform readers of important issues as well. The YA genre can create a lifelong habit for a love for reading, and that is one of the many reasons to consider creating works for young adults. Thanks so much for listening to the Emerging Writers podcast series. There are so many wonderful writers out there with works to explore. Our goal is twofold. We aim to inform and inspire new writers on how to achieve their goals, as well as highlight works by new, undiscovered, or noteworthy authors we admire. Feel free to send us your recommendations and we'll do our best to take a look. And don't forget to check out the line of writer-themed merchandise that supports our show at twobeanscafe.com as well as checking out the links for our guest on the show. Join me next time for my interview with sci-fi author Megan Elnico about her Chroma Space series and her game show podcast, Word Crash. Onward and upward.